Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Jennifer. And I'm your co-host, Holly. Today, we'll be discussing the different ways we teach science. But before we get to that, how has everyone been since last time? How about you, Jennifer? Well, I just got back from a trip to Colorado. My daughter that's up in college in Colorado has a dog that we have kept for the last two years (laughs) Um, and she's finally in an apartment where she can have her dog so uh, (laughs) I had to drive her dog up to Colorado for 16 hours which I wasn't looking forward to but I took my two teenage sons and one of their friends and we made it into a big 12-day trip all over Colorado and we had the most amazing time Uh, we did so much hiking and just we were up in the mountains and a lot of scenic drives and just being outside we camped a lot and we got to see both of my daughters who live in Colorado and it was just it was such a good trip and the three teenagers were so they appreciated the trip so much which was so nice to see so So, I loved it it was so wonderful it looked like a blast. The weather, of course, was just perfect yes. getting out of Texas for a little while. <laughs> How about you, Holly? What have you been up to? I've been dealing with bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, I have, so my uh, my son has a different health insurance plan than the one that my husband and I do. And I had to deal with some people about it, but apparently I was dealing with the wrong people. Oh, dear. <laughs> I spent... I would think a total of like four hours one day trying to get some help. And the really frustrating part about it was that it was a state agency. And so at the, uh, you'd have to be waiting on hold so somebody could come talk to you. Mm-hmm. And then they would they would get on the, the phone and they'd say, okay, I need your contact information. Okay, great. And here's my phone number. And then we got disconnected. Mm-hmm. So the first time this happened, I was like, well, they have my number. I'm sure they'll call me back. But after 10 minutes, no. So I call back again. I'm on hold for a long time. Somebody gets on the call and we get disconnected again. I'm like, are you kidding me? And there was an added stress about it because my son's doctor had messaged me saying, we show that your son's insurance is ending on the last day of the month. So this was, you know, this was a few days before the last day of the month when they told me. So now I have time pressure and I keep getting disconnected. The third time I call this number, somebody answers and I say, hey, before we go any farther, (laughs) um, I've gotten disconnected twice and could you please call me back? And they said, oh, we're not allowed to call you back. Uh, And then I was three minutes uh, into the call. I was like, well, that is a bad business model, Uh, but it's a government bureaucratic agency. So I was like, oh, makes sense. A few minutes into that call, she says, well, actually, your son's insurance is through another entity. And you have to contact them. Oh, no. I call this other entity. I leave. I I get a voicemail. I leave a message. That was like on Monday. On Wednesday, nobody has called me. So I call back the number where they couldn't help me. And I'm just like, is there something else you can tell me? And they give me some information and I find a place to leave an email. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this will get to me. This morning, I look at my phone, I'm getting a call, and I know it's from the place I left the message. Never was I so happy to be awakened from a good sleep. <laughs> and the lady was able to help me, and she said, oh, I'm Yay, so sorry good. you had all these worries. You actually, your your son's insurance isn't going to uh, to end. Here's my name and number, and I'm the one that can help you. Please keep this information on file. And I was like, oh. oh. 
perfect. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on Monday, y'all, I was going to start day drinking. I was so frustrated. <laughs> I started to cry. I was just like, this is the worst. Today, the sun, you know, the sky's part of the sun shone down on me, and I'm smiling. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you got some answers. <laughs> I am, too, and I'm so glad I homeschool, so I don't have to deal with any educational bureaucracy. <laughs> ah, yeah, the rest of the... I'm ready to start the new month now with, you know, my feelings of I'm at peace intact. <laughs> <laughs> Melody, how have you been doing? I'm okay, but we had a different level of stress than what you had on the way. We were in town for a doctor's appointment, interestingly, and our car started overheating. And oh, it no. was so hot that day. It and is so, so hot. The car had been running, so it was too hot to stop and check the radiator. And so anyway, we rolled down the windows and turn on the heater full blast. I know and that trick. <laughs> <laughs> it works. I'm so thankful for my mechanic son. And we come home in the heat with the heater on. It's like, that is not fun. Mm, so of course, then we get all the way home. Uh, and while, on the one hand, it is kind of fascinating to watch your gauge just like, yeah, where it ought to be. <laughs> And it's like, okay, let's turn off the heater for a minute. And then it'll start creeping back up. It's like, all right, we've got to get home. Got home, let the car cool off so that we could check it. And uh, my radiator has a leak in it somewhere. And so I'm Aww. home, like, okay, I can't go anywhere until one of my one of my sons or sons in law Anyway, my son will come and look at it. I heard from him today and, and figure out. But we just replaced it in February. So it shouldn't be leaking and of wow. course, we're trying to brainstorm all the things that could cause it to leak. Maybe it's a connection. Maybe it's a hose. Who knows? Nobody knows until we get in there and, and look. But it was one of those kind of harrowing moments. Don't want the car to overheat. We were on a stretch of road. There wasn't a place to pull over. And so oh, we just no. kept on going and praying. And we got home fine. And the car is fine. But now, you know, I really can't. So when, when you can't go somewhere, then you start reevaluating some of the things that you have on your calendar. It's like, change <laughs> things around. These things are really essential. And, yeah. and then, you know, thankfully I have, I live close to my children and we have friends and who can like lend me a car or get me someplace if we really have to be. But it was kind of like, oh, I got to go through here and like call all these appointments and reschedule them until because we don't know what's under there until Sunday when mm -hmm. he gets home. But, I mean, it wasn't a terrible stress. Once we got home, we were fine, but we were really worn out. It's amazing how the heat can just sap yes. your energy. Oh, my gosh. And, well, uh, and these 105-degree temperatures yeah. are exponentially it's much hotter than just 100. Like, mm -hmm. it's so bad. Sure. I'm glad you made it home. Well, me too. Like, we were really watching, really watching that gauge, and... It's not the first time I've had a radiator do something crazy. Like I said, mm -hmm. uh, in February, it was one of those things where I walked out and then my car had this big puddle underneath it. And thank goodness my friend saw it and said, did all that come from your car? <laughs> it's gonna, oh, wow. I was like going to get in the car and head home. So I'm really thankful for that. But I'm glad that we've kind of kind of sorted it out. One son came and another son-in-law. Everybody's trying to look at it. But until we get in there and take that out and get a look at it, we're just guessing, but it has a warranty. Yay. So we'll see. I'll let you know. Let's dig it into our topic. Um, we're talking about like the different ways we teach science coming from our different homeschool approaches. Let's talk about things that might be similar, things that might be different. I know for us, 
we did unit studies for, I would say, predominantly all the way through. And so when we would be studying, we would have a focus of history or we would have a focus of science. We tended to alternate, not that they were very separate. It always got intermixed. The history came into the science and science came into whatever we were studying for history. But when we would do a unit of study, we would like do a deep dive into some yeah. topic and then we would just do all the things that went along with that mm -hmm. particular particular topic but that's kind of how we did it what how about you Jennifer you with your unschooling did it just come out of everyday life or did you have a plan or what did you do so I never had a like a set plan for science like no curriculum no you know they should learn this at this age or nothing like that um, it was more again part of following their lead and their interests and then also at the same time just things we were doing in our everyday lives so of course like cooking cooking science is you know great all homeschoolers know about yeah, cooking science you know, it's a huge uh easy beginning science for even for really little kids to do so that was you know science that was just part of our daily lives so i just made sure that when we were cooking that we you know, I snuck the science into it for them, you know, we actually talked about what was happening and things like that. So a lot of it was just through our daily living that we picked up science. One of the biggest ways we did that our entire, like my kids entire lives was by gardening. Oh. So all our biology lessons are, you know, lessons about bugs and worms and how things grow and weather and life cycles and all of those things we learned in the garden and it was never, mm -hmm. I never approached it as a, like today we're doing this biology class, you know, it was never like that. And the kids didn't see it that way either. It was just, Hey, we have this great garden. We do it with friends and we're out there learning all the time. And from that, a lot of my own kids had other interests that came up and so then we would follow those leads and go more in depth with other science things um, I th I've talked about this before but one of my daughters who's now a, a pre-med at a university uh, that's where her love of science started was in the garden and looking at insects and dissecting just like plants and things like that and wanting to know how things worked and that led to us then her wanting to do more so we did more dissection classes and she started getting interested in anatomy and we took it further and further and I just followed her lead on that so then I would teach classes for her and her friends because we like to invite people to join us when we're doing something fun so we started doing a lot of dissection classes and some of my kids were interested in that some of them didn't want anything to do with that so they just didn't do that part that's kind of that's kind of the model for how I've done science with them is that whatever they're interested in I try to find tools that they can use and other subjects too. But in science, it's great because it's all hands-on stuff. So they really love that aspect of it, you know? So I try to find the tools to give them. And if it's something they need help with, like if they need to be taught how to dissect something, then I would go figure out how to do that and then lead them in that. Yeah, anything that grows out of real life really does tend to stick with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And if they're interested already, they have some buy-in. As a Charlotte Mason educator, my approach to science has some similarities, but it, it's also quite different. So the way that we approach science is we're always reading living books. The past couple of years, so starting in 
what we would call year three, which doesn't correspond necessarily to grade three. But in year three in the Ambleside online curriculum, we read a book called A Drop of Water. And we also studied animals and ocean life. Mm -hmm. The book A Drop of Water is the most beautifully photographed book I've ever seen. And it seems almost too simple. But this was like one of our big science books. And is that the is that the one that follows the path of the water? Like where uh, the... kind of. It's it's by a man named Walter Wick. And each page of the book has a photograph. Um so for example, I'm looking at page ten and it says floating steel and wild waves. And you take a pin and you give it to the child and you float the pin on water. We know mm -hmm. water can hold up something like that because of surface tension. But the children, uh, we read the book, we look at the pictures, and then the children replicate that themselves. And we mm -hmm. talk about why can it do that? When you look at the book, you're like, it's a picture of a pin in water. Seems kind of duh. My son loved this book. You made We made bubbles. We looked at snowflakes, microscopic images of them and all. But... Mm -hmm. He loved this book. We would read the book. We would do a little experiment. We'd move on to something else. And when he was finished with his school for the day, he would go back to what we did. And he literally spent hours doing things from the book. That's great. And he, yeah, he learned a lot about, about water. We also read a lot of biographies. So one of the biographies we read was about Sir Isaac Newton, who, I mean, if you want to do experiments, you could do everything he did and, and you'd be doing it for years and years. Mm -hmm. He was such a fascinating person. Um, but we would do some experiments from that book. This year, we're going to be reading books about Albert Einstein and Archimedes. We'll be doing some experiments from those books as well. They're, it's not like... Um, you know, you pick up a science book and it tells you, you know, read this and do this and that. Like, they're more experiential. Right. So as we're reading along, I'll be like, oh, hey, like yesterday we were reading a, something about how objects move away from each other. So we put some dots on a balloon close together. Then we blew up the balloon and we could see how the dots moved away. Mm -hmm. So the way we teach science and we do we do use some textbooks as the child gets older, this year we're going to be using an apology, a textbook. And, and when they get into high school, we're going to use more textbooks. But mainly we're reading really well-written books about a topic. And then we're going, to, we're going to replicate some of the things we read. So that's been a really interesting way for me to approach science. I'm not a um, super sciencey person, but this way of doing science, it's really fulfilling to me. And it sticks with my kid. Like, yeah. he'll be like, oh, you remember when I made a bubble and I had to catch it under the, like, I think we had to catch the bubble under like a glass. Mm -hmm. It was real challenging, mm -hmm. you know, or when I made my own bubble solution and then I looked at the things on it, like, it's all stuff that's so hands-on. But yet, mm -hmm. one of the things I like about it is a lot of it uses just things that we have around or that those right. people we're reading about had around. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it a lot more accessible. I don't have to get a big list of items. Like I'm sure yeah. for your dissection, you've acquired a lot of supplies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, and I think, I think that's more true also when you get into upper level sciences and oh, things, yeah. so you're going to need more supplies so and lab, lab equipment and things like that, which I will say for unschooling, my, uh, several of my kids did do upper level hard sciences because they wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. uh -huh. and they asked to, so for example, like some of my kids, 
one of my sons wanted to do chemistry, but he wanted to do like, you know, a real chemistry set with real chemicals. And that's hard to find sometimes. But so we found one The Tim's and Cosmos company is awesome. They have the greatest science kits, but they have a like a real chemistry kit that has all the things in it that you're not supposed to buy. And, <laughs> and you know, it's done safely though, of course, but it has great instructions. And so he actually got some of his other high school friends together and they did their own chemistry class and followed the lab book for that wow. kit and they did they met once a week and they did it together and so that was super cool so you can even as an unschooler and even for upper levels you can find the tools to give them to follow those leads mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with dissection I really love my the place I love to get th- things from is called Carolina it's carolina.com and I order from there all the time but you can order kits for little kids even on there for beginning dissection things like doing a starfish and they'll send you, you can order the kit that comes with everything. Like it has the starfish, it has the tray, it has the little tweezers you so need and it has a little book. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you, you can do it with one student. So if you have a student, like if your son's super interested in the ocean, you can go order a starfish to look at, you know. So all those resources are out there. They're sometimes harder to find for upper level sciences, but it's definitely there. The Happy Homeschooler podcast is sponsored by Transcript Maker, the online service that allows you to create professional high school transcripts from the comfort of your own home. Fall is here, and for homeschooling parents, that means you just got a whole lot busier. That's so true. But with Transcript Maker, you can save tons of valuable time this fall. Instead of hours of laborious calculations for a handwritten transcript, just plug your courses and grades into the template, and the GPA appears just like magic. Homeschooling parents often struggle with piles of papers. They just build up. With Transcript Maker, you can reduce some of that paper. Your transcripts are held in the cloud, safe and sound and easy to access access whenever and wherever. With co-ops, academies, and extracurriculars in swing, a lot of homeschoolers find their budget a little tighter these days. Good news! Transcript Maker offers a 14-day free trial, so you can give it a test drive and see how you like it. And for our listeners, you can get 20% off the cost of your subscription with our exclusive coupon code, HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. Make your fall semester easier for yourself. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply better transcripts. But our approach in the early years echoes what you did, Holly, where we would, whatever our subject was, we were off to the library for really good book, living books. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, almost just let them loose with the book and go and try and they were always doing like we would do whatever I had planned and then like you said later on they returned they would do their own yeah (laughs) their own thing and you just let them go and I guess we would have so much well we talked about everything all the time so those discussions those follow-up discussions where we're talking about what we're learned like they didn't have to be forced at all they're so excited Mm -hmm. about what they're learning they're telling you all the things that they observe yeah. And I guess my only point at that point was just like to introduce some scientific technology about observations or right. results or, you know, what materials did you use and those kind of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But they do learn how, like, kind of like with narrations, talking through the process without having to fill out necessarily a yeah. fill out a lab sheet. But then sometimes they would just be writing about it in their journals. And um, mm-hmm. all of those scientific 
just all those experiences build over time and we always cultivated that interest and went down many rabbit trails because yeah. we together. And so we started out with like our topic might be, you know, light or sound or electricity, and then we would end up somewhere else. But we learned a lot of things along the way. I learned a lot of things. Kind yeah. of like the Miss Frizzle approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, this year, one of the other things we're going to study is the elements in the periodic table. Mm-hmm. And I, I ordered this book. And when I got it, I was so excited. And I, I'm like, oh, I'm telling my husband, babe, you need to look at this book. It's amazing. <laughs> now, when I was in high school or in junior high, you know, we learned about the elements. So I was like, yeah. the elements. It's boring. Move. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this book that we got to use this year, it's called The Elements, A Visual Exploration of Every Known Atom in the Universe by Theodore Gray. This book is gorgeous Ooh. for every element. There's like a two-page spread, and it shows you photographs of things that that elements in or like what it looks the like real in its world form yeah. or what and i was like well where that was this so book concrete yeah to learn about this and and to go along with that we're also reading a book called the mystery of the periodic table mm-hmm. and it's going to talk about how these elements were discovered um, which i fell in love with marie curie when i was a kid and um you know she made some important discoveries uh for me a lot of it a lot of what I like about the Charlotte Mason approach is that it's more interpersonal. You're you're hearing about stories of these people who did things. That's why we read a lot of biographies. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I, I got to meet Marie Curie and learn about her life when she was a kid and all that she overcame and what she achieved, that was way more fascinating to me than two paragraphs in the science book that said. Right. Marie That's Curie so discovered, I don't know, what did she discover? Radium. Radium. But anyway, you know, for me, the Charlotte Mason method really sings and and it has so many multi-sensory things that we remember the things we learned because it's touched so much of our senses and keeps it accessible. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's an important part, too. It's like getting really hands on with your science, like yeah. you do with dissections and then all the things that y'all did with the water and Anytime we were studying something science, it was always about what can we interacting with these materials, whether it's right. magnets or water or plants, you know, how do they grow toward the light or what are <laughs> how this tomato looks better because what did we do to that soil? And this one looks really sad. How can we fix it? All of those things that were just part of the part of the day and part. It was fun because mm-hmm. you're getting there, getting your hands dirty, so to speak. And making a mess wasn't a problem because that was part of, I mean, if you make a mess, making a mess is fine as long as you clean it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've talked to people, they don't want to do science, they don't want to do labs because oh, it's Oh, that makes me sad. But, I love the mess. Yeah. Especially Those are the when same the kids people were who little, don't want to do art. Yeah, that's true. That's my true kids too. were little, it was all about mess. And it was all, for me, it was just play. It was science was play. That's, like we were building volcanoes. Play. We were playing with oh, bubbles awesome. <laughs> and making slime and elephant toothpaste and playing with dry ice. And and those were just like, it wasn't science class. It was just, we're going to play with this. And it's then they fun, would yeah. they would experiment with it. And, you know, I I didn't necessarily, we didn't do lab sheets and I didn't really introduce scientific theories and things like that but 
my job, I feel as an unschooled parent is to lead them with like questions like, okay, what's it Mm -hmm. doing now? What do you see? What color is it? How did that happen? You know, and ask them the questions. And on the other side of that, when they would, most of our science came from them asking me a question and me saying, I don't know, let's Mm -hmm. find out, you know, Mm -hmm. and just, just going with that. So definitely when they were small, that involved a lot of mess. And I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I mean, if you're in the kitchen, it's easy to clean up. So yeah. <laughs> and we could do a lot of things outside, too. And so mm-hmm. that wasn't a problem either. Yeah. But all of those experiences when they were little, like we did transition into some textbooks when they got into high school levels and there were mm-hmm. some lab sheets, but I didn't always make everybody do all the things because some of my kiddos like were pencil resistant and it was just as valid to talk it through. Some of them yeah. really liked it. And it's like, okay, then you've got a lab notebook that's embellished with all kinds of art, which was great fun, but it was just the whole process of it. Um, and the things they really enjoyed they remembered. I mean, I asked them, I knew we were going to do an episode that had something to do with science. And I was asking them, what do y'all remember about science when you were Mm -hmm. homeschooling? And I got all kinds of answers, naming different experiments and things that they had done and tried. I did too. I asked my kids too. All of the things they told me were things that were like, they were magic to them, you know, even the, yeah. the things we did as little kids all the way up through high school, the things that just were like magic when they happened and then they figured out why. And I, I love that we were able to keep that same feeling from, you know, when they were little and the messy and the volcanoes all the way up through their later years in high school, they had the same excitement about the magic of science. And, and I think a lot of it had to do with them being able to do the hands-on and figure it out for themselves and things like that. Um, one of my daughters, uh, when she was 16, rebuilt our van to travel the country. Uh, and, you know, it make still a, blows me away. And, and this was, it's she so- had no experience with mechanics or electronics or any of that kind of stuff. And she did this project. It was about a year long project, the renovation of the van. And she studied to make it happen. And she learned mechanics. She watched YouTube videos on, on, you know, electronics. She learned about solar electricity so she could run things through solar. She learned how to build an oven. Like uh, there was so much, you know, mechanics, electronics, physics, all of this stuff she was learning. And while she was doing that, she was sucking in all my other kids because it was so interesting, you know, and they were accomplishing this big thing. It wasn't just kids either. It was like our neighbor and the guy down the street and, you know, everybody uh wanted to be a part of it and they were all learning, but there was no discussion of, oh, we're learning this. It was just happening. And that was, that was so exciting. That was a really great culmination of watching our unschooling years, you know, (laughs) come to life like that the excitement over science in our house has been really inspiring. They inspire each other with their interests and it just kind of compounds from there. And I think that's the common thread, no matter what your educational approach is. Yeah. That, you know, our, we all are striving to uh, meet our kids where they are and to light a fire of excitement and interest in them, no matter which way we approach it. Right. So that's good news for people who don't want to do certain types of things, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, no matter what your approach is or what your child's, um, you know, the way they they um, interact with materials, you can find a way to make science a really fun part 
of your own homeschool. Uh, before we go, I want to tell you guys about this new website I just learned about called SciStarter.org. And it is a website that compiles all the citizen science projects that are going on for all different age levels from like pre-K all the way through college and adult. And a citizen science project is one of those uh, projects where you observe things around you, basically, to help scientists learn about our planet and our world that we live in. And some of you have may have heard about, like, you can count birds in your yard. Uh, mm -hmm. Audubon Society mm -hmm. does that. Uh, but there's so many of them. Some of them are really interesting. There was light pollution data collection things for middle schoolers. Oh, there was, cool. oh, there was one where you study the dietary preferences of ants by putting out certain foods oh, and nice. watching what the ants do. And oh. They just, a bunch of them looked, I haven't used the website yet, but the projects on there looked really interesting and maybe a really good way to get homeschoolers started on some science. It sounds really fun. One of the things that we study every year as Charlotte Mason homeschoolers is we do nature studies mm -hmm. and we change our topic um, every term. So we do three 12 week terms. So I'm going to go look at that and see if any of the things that they are doing can dovetail with something we're going to be studying. That's great. They have a, a big library of projects on there. So I bet you'll find something you like. Thank you for bringing that to everybody's attention, Jennifer. Of course. Here at the end of our podcast, we usually answer a big question. But today we're bringing back the homeschool news desk where we discuss how and why homeschooling is making the news right now. Holly, what's our top story today? Well, I was um, delighted recently to find a series on homeschooling from the Washington Post. They've got, looks like about five articles that seem to have started around the end of May. So they've titled these articles, um, Homeschool Nation. And they're a series of articles that they have uh, written, and they're really in-depth. So they're very, very mm -hmm. long articles. They interview a lot of different people. And I found this fascinating because they um they just cover all kinds of different aspects of the experience people are having with homeschooling. Yeah. That's so interesting because I think until now we generally in mainstream kind of publications we see articles about homeschooling and they're more like either the pros and cons like for or against homeschooling. But this seems like and I haven't seen any of them but I saw the topics it seems like it's actually taking topics within the homeschooling community and discussing them, not just, you know, the pros and cons of homeschooling. Yeah, the one I, um, the first one I read, which wasn't the first one in the series, um, the title of it says, for many homeschoolers, parents are no longer doing the teaching. And it talks in there about how so many people have come to homeschooling and the ways that they're finding to keep their kids home or educate them from the home base, right? But finding yeah. other people to teach the kids because... Yeah. So many parents can't quit their job, right. but they don't want their kids stuck in the brick and mortar, you know, yeah. uh, nine to four grind of public schooling and they want to get them out of that pressure cooker. So they, it's, that article talks about all the different ways. It talks about micro schools and things like out school, which we've discussed on the podcast yeah. and pods and just, it's very interesting to me as a, a person who's homeschooled for 30 years now, this is my mm -hmm. 30th year, um, mm -hmm. to see these kinds of really in-depth, balanced looks at what's yeah. going on in the homeschool world. 
I think that's really great. I mean, it shows that we're we're very relevant now. You know, there are so many more people homeschooling that it is becoming more mainstream and more acceptable. And people know what it is, you know, you know, they don't go, right. Ooh, what's that? You know? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> well, and when so many people started working from home, it just, you know, that next logical step, we can school from home also. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And uh, one of the articles in this series that I haven't read yet, but I'm probably going to start reading it as soon as we get done here, is titled COVID ADHD Race. Parents Explain Why They Homeschool Their Kids. And we we all come to homeschooling for so many different reasons. And I think a lot of times people think it's just because, uh, you know, you don't like public school. But there are so there are about as many reasons to start homeschooling as there are homeschoolers. And I think yep, it's really good. I agree. To expose the greater world to these ideas, too, because I um, I just want the opportunity to educate my child the way I think is best for him. And I want that for everyone else. If that means uh, public school, if that means private school, if that means, you know, having your kid become educated through a micro school, whatever works for you. I'm in favor of it. Just don't take away my rights. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, I I would love to hear from people if they read the articles in this series and what they think about it, because I think it's really important to have these pieces of information out there so that people can stop thinking of homeschoolers as locked in their house, super introverted, never interact with other people. Homeschooling is a valid educational choice, just as valid as sending your kid to the school around the corner. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few reminders. The next SAT date is October 5th. The regular registration is closed, but the late registration is open until September 26th. If you want to support us here and help us grow, it would be great if you'd help new people find our show by leaving us a five-star review and sharing it on social media. Remember that you can get 20% off the cost of your Transcript Maker subscription with the code HAPPY. That's H-A-P-P-Y in all caps. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at happyhomeschoolpod. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed today, we publish our show notes on Facebook after every new episode. Next episode, we'll be previewing a new series on our show by discussing homeschooling in Texas. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Melody. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling! Hi, this is your host, Melody Gillum. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Jennifer Jones and Holly Williams-Urbaugh. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. When I was a kid, uh, like I was in junior high, and I remember in biology in ninth grade, I didn't really want to do the dissections, but I volunteered to write up everything. So I still got credit. Yeah.